Millsap, chairman and CEO of Atlanta-based Black Hall Studios, is one of today's top entertainment executives with a vision for Black Hall that's ambitious, energizing, and boundless. Millsap is blazing a trail through the heart of the South and setting his sights on the future of entertainment. Listen and learn as Ryan Millsap journeys through the myriad industries, people, and landscapes that traverse the complex and dynamic world of film production. So we are lucky enough to have Rodney Ho of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution here with us today, which is a treat for me. Rodney's actually interviewed me as a journalist, and I've never actually gotten to interview a journalist. So I suppose the first question I should ask is, as an interviewer, what should I ask you? That, that's, <laughs> I, I'm not that type of guy. I don't really care. You ask me whatever you want. So, Well, tell me, tell me about where did your passion for reporting come from? I think I um, am just a nosy person. I, I'm curious. I guess curious is the positive term for nosy, right? I, I, I was just always interested in a lot of different things, and I tended to ask a lot of questions. And, you know, I had an English teacher in, you know, in high school who inspired me, and uh, somehow I decided to just keep on doing it. And 30 years later, here I am. Are you particularly curious about other human beings or more curious about ideas and things? Good question. A little bit of both. I think I'm just, it just depends on what the topic is. I mean, there are certain things that I'm more interested in than others, but um, yeah, I'm always just looking for a good story. <laughs> well, when you said nosy, it made me think of other human beings. So we yeah. think of somebody as it's nosy, gossip, right? When they, yeah, it's more like God, they're, they're, they want to know the, the inside scoop or the dirt on other humans. Yes. Whereas it, we would never call somebody nosy because they wanted to try to understand the physics of the universe. That's true. Um, I think I I think I enjoy both. Um, that's probably why entertainment is fascinating. And I, I was a business reporter, and I have an MBA, so I also am fascinated by the mechanics of money and how things flow and why things happen. Thus, the tax credits in this state are fascinating to talk about, and what and how that has changed the state. So you're curious about there's I, I'm a, I have a whole bunch of things I want to ask you about yeah. that curious about things and ideas. Tell me some of the places where you are nosy. Like, what uh, what people interest you? What what gossip interests you? I mean, I, I covered local radio and TV, and you know, it's fascinating to uh, you know. I, I I enjoy talking to entertainers. I respect them. I don't have that level of ego and sensitivity, but it's fascinating to see how you know radio people are not necessarily people who are in front of a camera, but they like the sound of their voice, and they, you know, and there's a level of importance there, and it's. Um, you know, and it's fascinating, the interplay among radio DJs and chemistry and all those things are fascinating to me. And of course, I love reality TV. I love reality competition shows and the dynamics that work at play there, as well as even like the Real Housewives. I mean, I've been covering Real Housewives since they began in 2008. And I, I kind of, you know, you kind of hate and love those ladies at the same time. They're willing to put themselves out there and do ridiculous stuff. And you know, they're getting paid to do it at the same time. So they... You know, sometimes they hate each other, and nor in normal circumstances, th these people would never hang out together, but they're forced to by money. <laughs> it's like, you're paid. <laughs> it's kind of like employees. You're paid to have to hang out with these people. Mm. And uh, But in these cases, unlike you, you know, let's say you work with your colleagues. Uh, in this case, you're working with people. You have to go to parties with them and gossip. It's weird. Gossip is their job. It's a fascinating dynamic. <laughs> well, so one of the things that, that, that strikes me about what you just explained is the is the amount of interaction you've had with people who have very high profile positions, yeah. mostly social. 
right? Big, high-profile social positions, actors, famous uh, reality TV stars, famous um, DJs, this kind of... Yeah. What have you learned by being curious and observant about ego? Like, you mentioned the word ego. Tell me, tell me some of the things that you've seen about ego, the good, the bad, the ugly, just observational. I mean, some people are very, very sensitive on certain topics. I and mean, we all have our points, and usually our spouses or people like that know what to pick at. And, uh, you know, you, you, if you hit somebody's soft point, it could be their age, it could be their hair, it could be anything even trivial in your mind, but important to them, how they treat women. You know, there are certain things that just get certain people super upset. And even if you're writing something factual or or you quote somebody, you know, they'll blame you. If you, you know, I, I'm the carrier of bad news. So, and I've learned that, you know, if radio station is doing poorly and I keep mentioning that to, in a story, they'll think I hate them when I'm just simply stating a fact. But that's kind of how people roll, especially when things are going bad. I mean, and it's interesting as, you know, you're a businessman, you know, when things are going well, people get along, there's no conflict and you try to build people up in those situations. So hopefully you have some bank, you know, something in the bank that when things go bad, they're still willing to talk to you or still willing to work with you. So you kind of have to build up a bank of goodwill, I guess it is. And even as a reporter, you do that as well. You know, so if I write a flattering story about you in hopes that if you do something horrible, which hopefully you never do, I can, you'll still talk to me in those situations rather than think, oh, this guy's just there to get dirt on me, you know. Well, 100%, you find out the truth about your relationships in hard times. That is true. Who, who will call you back after scandal happens? Or if you get divorced, who's going to be your friend or whatnot? Yeah, you're right. Right. You know, a deal goes poorly and mm-hmm. you, find out, um, you find out the truth of other people's character. That's true. When and things you are find down. out the truth of your own character. Very true. And, and, and then at the same time, when things go really, really well... Success and money is oftentimes an exponent on per, a person's character. It, it will yeah, either aggrandize an ego or, you know, and some people learn how to be, you know, it's funny, the most successful people are often the most, the ones that show the most humility and are, are often the nicest. It's the people who are, who have struggled, um, you know, like I remember interviewing Dustin Diamond, who was Screech, and the guy came across as just an arrogant jerk. And you're thinking, why has he earned that? I mean, it's weird. It's like sometimes it's people, sometimes on the way up or on the way down who are really, you know, problematic. And often the people who stay on top, you know, the people like a Dwayne Johnson or a Kevin Hart, they're super nice, you know. Right, uh, you feel you like know, they... Jeff Foxworthy, this guy knows my name. He's, he's local and he treats me, you know, with respect, you know, and that's what you hope to get at. And often the most successful people are there for that very reason. They're not jerks. Not, you know, of course they're exceptions. Yeah, they might be the most authentic. Yes. Right? Because and maybe and maybe they've even come to terms with their own ego. Yes. Or dealt with their own ego in a way that allows it to not drive the train. And I've noticed but you see people on the on the way up oftentimes they might be on the way up really ego driven. And they're insecure too because they're worried that they might it might get stopped some way or that mm-hmm. they have to keep a certain persona else they're going to fall everything's going to just disappear. So they have that kind of drive. But once they reach a certain level of success, and oftentimes the ones who reach a certain level of success in their 30s or 40s are the ones that are the probably the most, you know, they kind of have a perspective uh, on the had world. To, you feel like they had to work for it? Yeah, like a Ricky Gervais. I mm. mean, he was just a normal guy and nobody knew who he was until he was 35 or 40. And often those are the folks, you know, sometimes it's the child stars that often are the most warped because they never knew anything but fame. Now, do you think, like Ricky, Ricky's a good example. Do you think, Ricky, that all of that is on some level intellectual arrogance? Is that a, just a show? 
Or do you think that's actually a reflection of his uh, it's ego a expression? I think he's the softy in, in, in heart. He seems like he's, you know, anything he says, it's hard to take it seriously. I mean, he, you know, he goes in the Golden Globes and he insults people, but it's kind of like Jeff Ross, you know, he's just doing it. There's, there's no animus. It's a shtick. You it's think? a shtick, yeah, and it's okay because I think that's why the Golden Globes like him because they know he's making jokes, but deep down, they're jokes. Just jokes, let it go, yeah. on to the next. I mean, there's a woman named Monique. There's some serious issues with her. I mean, there's anger and there's resentment. And that, you know, if you're going to alienate Tyler Perry, Oprah Winfrey, and Lee Daniels, clearly you've, you're doing something a little bit off. And that, that's, that's an ego-driven problem right there. Mm. Well, you know, I think we all have had ego-driven problems in our lives. Yes. We're smart, right? We, we learn from that, but... Um, it's, yeah, I think, I think the hardest lessons are the ones that we learn when our ego is injured, right? Yes. So what, what I just heard you describe is I don't know Monique, right? Don't know anything really about her or her life. Mm-hmm. She won but, an Oscar. And I think there were some issues with her not promoting the movie properly. And she still won the Oscar. And I think she got a lesson out of that. It's like, I don't need to play by the rules, so to speak. And people have to treat me a certain way. And if they don't, if they don't give me a certain amount of money, she sued Netflix. She didn't feel like they gave her enough money for a comedy special, so she sued them. But she did the comedy special? No, she didn't. She said they only offered me 250000 They gave Chappelle $20 million. I, I should get comparable, no, maybe not $20 million, but she, in her mind, she feels like she's being discriminated against. But the even question though, is... Even though she didn't take the job and Netflix didn't give her the job. Right. Interesting. Yeah. And maybe she could have negotiated a higher deal instead of complaining about it. I don't know. You know. Right. Well, I mean, that's a perfect example of um, what we're talking about here, which is ego run amok mm-hmm. and ego injured. Yes. And the way that we wor- maybe act as our worst selves. Right. In the times that our egos feel agony. I mean, you're in a interesting position because you're building up right now. So you're you're in a sensitive spot where if something goes south, I mean, how are you going to react, right? If a deal falls apart, you know. Trust me. I, I mean, <laughs> when you're an entrepreneur, you live in this space where you have to come to terms with the fact that if it all works, you're not a genius. And if it all fails, you're not an idiot. Right. You're just a guy trying to do something interesting. Right. Now, other people are going to call you a genius if it works and it's huge. Right. Other people are going to call you an idiot and maybe worse. If right. it doesn't Social go media. right. Yeah, and we like to build people up and then knock them down. It's kind of a, a you know, you watch in politics, you know, candidates get built up, they get knocked down, you know, and uh, it's just how, you know, it, it, and we're as reporters trying to come up with narratives, interesting narratives, and calling people a hero or a genius, you're Bill Gates, you're the next Bill Gates, whatever, is it makes a great storyline or makes a good cover on a magazine. But the re- like you said, the reality is everybody's human. And Bill Gates has his faults, certainly, and they've come out. You know, they've done movies, so you know that he's. You know, I guarantee you, Melinda can tell you what they are. Yeah, fair enough. Right. Yeah. And Bill can tell you what Melinda's are. Correct. And if they've lived together this long and they get along well and they have a happy marriage, they then accept they come, each other. Yeah, yeah, they accept each other, and probably you know in the best way, push each other to grow. Right. To grow, grow beyond their and worst selves. Plus, block out all the noise, which is the media coverage or the social media commentary, which is what you probably need to do if you're going to really succeed is not like buy into the, you know, I'm the next Messiah, you know, you're going to be the next real estate uh, mogul, (laughs) you know, well, you know, and 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 I've had I've had friends of mine tell me, you know, because this this conversation about ego has been like central in my life. And they've said, well, ego, 
is what makes me successful. It, it's what True. drives me on forward to try to achieve great things. Yes. And I just don't know if that's actually the case. I, I, I think that the ego that we think is driving us might actually be holding us back because we might, we might accomplish huge things in spite of our ego. Interesting. The real question is how much more might we accomplish if we can let go of our ego? That's, that's fascinating. I think process. it's a fascinating exploration. Anyway, um, and it may just be on how you define what an ego is, <laughs> ultimately. Right? What do you have any? I don't ideas know. In- I, I guess it could be a lot of different things, right? I mean, it's you, it could just be who you are, or is it that evil thing that's telling you to do stuff that you shouldn't be doing? I don't know. Or is it? Yeah, it, it just depends. I think on context and what you mean by ego. Well, let's ask yeah. that. Let's ask the first question. You said ego might be who I actually am. Who right. are you actually? Yeah, and that's <laughs> right. Ask a therapist. I don't know. <laughs> right. Well, let's let's go down to like the the very best things. Like mm-hmm. think about your very best characteristics, your very right. best self. Yes. Would you think of that as ego, or would you think of that as soul? Interesting term. Yeah, you're right. I, I, I guess the word ego almost has a negative connotation, doesn't it? I think it has to. Yeah. Right. It feels like an overlay on the soul. Yes. Yeah. It right. Because if you live into your best self. Right. Then you're living into your like deepest soulful self. Right. There doesn't seem to be any vice associated with that. That's true. I mean, when you think about your soul, yeah, you, that's that's where the love lays. That's where the caring, the empathy, hopefully, all that is hopefully laid down in your soul. The beautiful you, things. Yeah. I guess people don't don't say you're song. You know, you're a soulful singer. They don't say you're an egotistical singer. <laughs> Yeah, and it's funny how, you know, oftentimes you'll see a pageant singer who's singing clinically, and maybe that's just because they're singing it with no soul, right? It's just like they got the lyrics and they know the rhythm, but you don't feel anything, right? It's interesting how you've – and oftentimes that's the insult that Simon Simon Cowell would say is that that's like a pageant performance. That's like the worst insult ever, you know? Well, think about like one of the worst insults that we say about people who are vapid. We say – God, that person is soulless. Oh, that hurts. Yes, that would. Yeah, if ever would that hurt you if somebody said that about you? That would hurt me. Yeah, that uh, would that'd be the worst. Right? That It'd would be. be. I, I mean, hopefully they wake you up. If yeah. Somebody ever called you soulless? Like this person is soulless. Yeah. That, that. Ouch. Yeah, that's pretty. Yeah, you're right, and that shows you the value of a soul versus. In fact, it's probably more painful than if somebody just called me an egomaniac. And oftentimes those might go together. That's true. Right. It wouldn't be uncommon at all for somebody to say, "God, that guy's a soulless." Egomaniac. Wow. That's that's a double insult, right? <laughs> right? So I, I don't know. We might be solving something here that the soul sits at the base with all the beautiful, good things. Yes, your spirit. And then the ego is overlaying all the vicious things. That's true. Or, or perhaps overseeing it or possibly either controlling it or deciding whether you go to your dark side or not. I mean, because yeah, you have a moral fiber and everybody makes the choices. You know, you have choices every day, whether you're going to run a red light or, you know, insult somebody who annoys you or not or whatnot you know it's a lot of things you could do to make the world worse right i would guess that every time you do something that later you regret Mm -hmm. you could trace it to some sort of either ego greed ego fear ego pain right ego response oh and there's no doubt i sometimes if I, i get defensive if somebody starts you know, if somebody goes after me for covering something that I thought was totally okay and I can get defensive and that's my ego talking. And if I acknowledge, if I make a mistake or if I feel like, okay, I understand your point of view, um, that's that's me letting my ego sort of set aside and just, you know, like you said, you know, accept. There, there was a situation just last week. I 
you know, somebody died, um, and I wrote a piece about it, but I hadn't contacted the family, which I should have, and the family was kind of upset about it. And I, I took it down because he's not that famous, and it wasn't that big a deal. But I, you know, I just acknowledged, okay, I, I should have, you know, I, I, I did contact a family member. They didn't get back to me, and I just wrote it because it was just a bunch of nice people saying nice things about him. I didn't think they would care, mm-hmm. but they hadn't written their obit yet or something. They wanted, they wanted to wait until their obit was out. I was like, okay. I mean, it, well, sometimes, and I could have got really defensive. I could have said, he's a public figure. Mm-hmm. You know, I could write whatever the heck I want. Screw you. Yeah, but, and instead you stayed humble. Yeah, and that, that smoothed things over, you know. I, and plus, you know, obviously I don't want to, you know, my boss was involved. It's like, you, you, you know, part of it is ego-driven. It's, it's, I don't want to mess up with my boss either, right? I mean, I want to make sure my boss stays happy. So let's... How have you become so self-aware? Like, do you have a do you so have spiritual practice? Is it is it therapy, spiritual practice? What what have you done? Because I think of uh, being a reporter. Yeah, like you have to be able to set your ego aside. You have to be able to focus on the facts. You have to be able to separate yourself and all your own desires necessarily yeah. from what you're going to report on. But then when you're dealing with all these other human beings, like you're going to constantly be like what you just described pushed and pulled. And, and, and I forget sometimes that what I'm writing may have some impact on, you know, especially in an obit, you, you realize when you're writing somebody's obit, this is something that a lot, you know, the family members really, you know, they know this person a lot better than I do. And you hope you're at least giving some level of reflection of who they are. And if you don't, you know, you could mess up their, you know, you know they're already in a stressful situation. Like you don't want to turn, you know, make it even worse for them without meaning to, but sometimes you do. I mean, that's... Well, but at least you're approaching it with compassion. Yeah, that's that's the hope, is that at least you're approaching it. You're not, you're not just writing it because it's salacious or something. And, yeah, that's not usually the intention of you know, of most obits. So wonderful amounts of therapy. <laughs> yes. What else? I mean, what else do you do to center your soul such that you can be self-aware? I mean, I, you know, I, I love taking walks with my dog and just being in nature. Um, you know, I'm not deeply religious, but, you know, but I, I believe in, I believe in a higher power. So mm-hmm. there's a lot of prayer and just a lot of thinking. I mean, I probably spend too much time in my head sometimes, you know, that's, you know, that's why I guess a therapist is helpful. You can just get it out of your head and out into the world, you know, whatever you're doing, it seems like it's working. I mean, you can feel, I can feel your soulfulness, which I think is fantastic. I'm sure everybody can feel your soulfulness through your voice. I mean, I just got through a second divorce, so I've been through a lot (laughs) on that front. Well, that will definitely drive you deep into your soul or drive you deep into your ego, one or the other. A little bit of both. Yeah. 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 No, it's, it makes you a little, not necessarily self-reflective sometimes almost to the point that you annoy your friends. It's like, can you stop talking about that? And so you have to kind of like check yourself. And that's sometimes why therapists is good. They're being paid to listen to you uh, kvetch. Like your friends can take only so much of your kvetching, you know. <laughs> well, uh, the, the best ones can take all of it. That's true. And right. I have a couple of close friends who can take, you know. And, and it's, a, it's a fair trade. I mean, they, you know, somebody who has similar issues to you, you let them kvetch for a while. You kvetch back. And as long as it's a fair trade. It's okay. Well, know. what a gift. I mean, those people in my life, I'm... More, By the way, I'm, I'm from Long than... Island, and I hung around a lot of Jewish people, so the word kvetch came out. I don't know why, but... <laughs> well, the good news is is that all that Yiddish has made it so deeply into American culture, all of us understand what you mean. <laughs> all right, let's take a step back to uh, the entertainment industry in Georgia. Yeah, and I, I saw you at the Rotary a couple weeks ago. You gave a great talk about it, so it's fascinating to hear your thought process, because you've been in it. How long have you been in this entertainment world now four years oh, yeah you're a newbie yeah i've absorbed it all as quickly as i possibly can 
I, you know, I'm coming from a, a totally different space, and, and there's sometimes a huge advantage to being an outsider, yes. popping in, being able to see things with fresh eyes, make new decisions that are not based on historical norms. It's the same as a reporter. I, that sometimes they have us switch beats on purpose because sometimes somebody coming new to a, a topic will come up with new story ideas. I think I sometimes – there are story ideas that – other reporters, you know, will bring up and I'm like, oh, that's a great idea. How come I didn't think of it? It's because I've been covering it too long. It didn't it didn't seem new to me, you know, and so it's helpful to have new faces come in. So what are some of the changes you've seen over the last, you know, the, the, the tax credits now 12 years old? Yeah, right. Pinewood is now six years old. With the amount of change that's happened over the last 12, six years, I mean... It's been astounding. Astounding. I mean, from nothing. I mean, really, there wasn't much here in 2008. There really wasn't much at all. I mean, there were no studios. Um, people would occasionally do a movie here and there. That was it. You know, really wasn't much to cover. I mean, you had Turner Studios. You had a couple. Uh -huh. That was pretty much it. What have you seen in the last six years since Pinewood opened, Marvel came? Oh, Tell mean, me about that explosion and what your life's been like the last six years. I mean, we had somebody else covering a lot of the Avengers and Marvel stuff for a time. Um, now I have to sort of keep an eye on that stuff. So I, I you know, I, but, you know, tracking all the studios and what, what everybody's up to has become a, a steady job. I mean, yeah, just last night I checked the film office. There's a new Bruce Willis movie coming. There's a new movie with John Cena and Lil Rel coming. So, and those just popped up. So there's always something happening. Um, I don't know if any of them are coming to your studio. So I don't know. We have a lot of really cool stuff coming to, oh, it to looks our like, studio. Yeah, it looks like things are pretty busy. It doesn't seem like there's any uh, sign of, um, you know, you know, there's plenty, like, I guess, you're the one who brought up that there's demand. You know, there's so much content demand. And there's only so many studios, and you show that there that we're now competitive with Toronto, Vancouver, New York. That LA is the only one that has significantly more studios than we do. We're actually on par with. We're pretty much on par with the UK and Toronto. Inf infrastructure wise, yeah, I infrastructure, mean, and we have the newest infrastructure too because we we're so recent. Everything is so it's all six years old. Yeah, nothing is older. Yeah, I think really the only one that's older than eight or nine years is EUE Screen Gems. They're the only ones that have been around for 10 years. Well, what's that other one that there's those two stages out in uh, Paulding County? Do you know oh, about there, those? I'm not even sure. There are these two stages that were built by Paulding County, I think in 2008-9, like right after the tax credit. Oh, were these they? guys were like on the forefront. Where's Paulding? Risk. Is it way out west? It's way out west, which yeah, is I not think that I far went there now. Once. It's, it's there was, uh, yeah, I did go out there once for a TV show, but that was like four or five years ago. You know who lives out there now? The Rock. Yeah, he lives in uh, Powder Springs. Powder Springs, which is really really close to where Paulding County Studios, these two little stages. Yeah, sit. but he works out of um, – he's working out of Metro right now. He's got two projects. He's got Red Notice, and he's shooting his um, Titan Games, NBC Titan Games there all at the same time, which makes sense. He may as well have his movie and his reality show in the same place so he can go back and forth. Yeah, they, you know, they wanted to shoot that at Black Hall. We didn't have any space. Mm -hmm. We're 100% full for the next two years. Wow, that makes your life easy. Well, I mean, except for the fact that I hate losing all that business. Yeah, you have to say no to a lot of people, right? right? Every so, day. I'm sure people are calling you all the time and saying, do you have any space in 2021? It's you, you said, I can't. unbelievable. It's so painful when you get those calls. They say, we want to be a black hall. Do you have space for us? We have a, yeah, we can commit to eight months, nine months. And you're like, oh. I'm like, I'd love that. But, it, you know. So I, do you end up having to pass along names of other studios That's all the what time? happens. <laughs> well, I mean, these guys know. I mean, it, yeah. there's, there's, there's only a handful of studios That in the can state. handle a lot of the big ones. Ones. Yeah, there's like maybe five or six that have enough stage. They've got to, their list. Yes. They're like, I want to be here. If I yeah. can't be here, then I want to be here. Right. If I can't be here, I want to be here. You know, and so they just go down the waterfall. Right. So, you know, we've been trying to build extra space to right. accommodate for that, but it's been 
a little bit of a struggle because we've been working through some land swap issues yeah, in Georgia. Yeah, so yeah. that's delayed our, our build in Georgia. We did just announce today, we, you mentioned it to me in the, the BBC one. News. Yeah, the BBC News story about uh, the London Black Hall. And that's that's a, is that a, a a guarantee at this point, or still uh, just being like, what, what, where are you at, at at this point? No, I mean we were we've we've been working on that deal for a year. Okay. So uh, we finally got the deal done with the University of Reading. Okay. Uh, where they are. Um, so, so the contracts are signed, so you're able to release it out. Okay. Correct. That's why finally we could do a big release. Gotcha. Um, you know, we're going to look to build. Yeah, I need to write about that now. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's a pretty big story yeah. in the you know in the sense that um, you know London just. They haven't been able to build any stage space because they're so land constrained. Yes, it's one of the reasons why Atlanta's been able to explode. Exactly. Right. Well, you know, we're we're running out of time, but I, I really appreciate you coming today. It's wonderful to get to sit and talk to you. I appreciate being so open about um, ego things and <laughs> yeah, that things. kind of. Yeah, I didn't know where this conversation was going, but that's fine. <laughs> well, that's the whole point, right? Is that this these conversations about are about getting to know people that have different perspectives on life, yeah. have had d- different life experience, and not just focus on all the expertise you have in journalism, right. but what that what that um, career path has done for your 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 soul. And I get to meet all sorts of different people. I have a lot of gratitude for being. You know, I'm in a newspaper in 2020. That's not many of these jobs around left. So I, I, I'm, I'm deeply appreciative of my bosses and they're still willing to give me work. And of course, the tax credits have helped me. You know, I'm a beneficiary of the tax credits too, even though I don't get them. I, you know, the fact that they're here and there's all this business keeps me writing about stuff I really enjoy. So. If anybody wants to get in touch with you, do you have social media? Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm at AJC Rodney Ho on, you know, that's, that's my... And I think that's my Twitter, Instagram, um, and I'm also AJC Radio and TV Talk is my Facebook, and you could find me. And Rodney Ho, you can just blog, Google me, and you'll find my blog. It's not hard to find. It's well, floating around. Rodney, thank you for being here. This has been wonderful. All right, thank you, Ryan, and uh, good luck with your operations in London. And I know you're searching for other cities too, right? We are. Yeah, we're working really hard. Good luck. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Black Hall Studios podcast with Ryan Millsap. We want to hear from you. Find us on SoundCloud, iTunes, or Spotify. And follow us on Instagram at at Black Hall Studios and at Ryan.Millsap. Millsap.